the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover three and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like and come and join us in the chat, a.k.a. the Cover 3 tailgate. Lots to get to here on a Monday. The transfer portal, specifically the uh, the exit train from Tuscaloosa, uh, has been running to one destination. We'll be getting to that in a little bit. Uh, also, uh, we get a big pickup for Iowa. Arizona get some of its most important players to stay home. Coaching carousel is buzzing, especially when it comes to the assistants. Uh, and it looks like as the NCAA has been going around and, you know, handing out a little uh, notice of allegations here, notice of allegations there, they, they are just now coming around on what they believe to be potential violations due to NIL. Florida uh, has a little bit of a case on its hand tied to the Jaden Rashada recruitment. But we begin with uh, a, an interesting conversation. Danny, we said, you know, like who would be the greatest, you know, portal, non-quarterback portal edition. We were talking about Caleb Downs, like Georgia was the expected landing point. You you reunite with, uh, you know, the secondary coach, co-defensive coordinator, T-Rob, who got you there. And goodness gracious, he joins the juggernaut that Ryan Day is assembling in Columbus. Hmm. Do, do we just want to go all Ohio State here? Do you think that Caleb Downs is individually the the biggest piece of this, or is he just like part of the big Ohio State storyline? Because uh, it's we we got a lot going on right here. I mean, this is super team territory, right? What they're developing yes. with some of the stars that are there. 
Yes. Uh, it's Tom rolls his eyes. It's all LeBron James' fault. It's all these super teams are all LeBron James' fault. But as a Miami Heat fan, I loved it when they came my way down to South Beach. It's it's the collective. Uh, it's all of them. Um, pun intended with collective. Yeah. Um, this is just the latest in the moves they've already been making, and now it seems like Will Howard is an afterthought. Like Will Howard's like a side piece in all of this. When Quinshawn Judkins coming, uh, Caleb Downs. Uh, you already mentioned. I don't even. We didn't even talk about Julian Sayan, who's going to yeah. add some depth to that quarterback room. It is off the charts what they're doing. Um, this is the all-in move. I think this is the blessing in disguise for whatever reason. And Bill O'Brien, like we haven't even got like. There's so many changes. This absolutely 100% is Ohio State going all in, saying it is beat Michigan. It is win the Big Ten. It is get to the national championship or bust. There is no question about it which I do think puts added pressure on Ryan Day as much as there already was. This is more pressure on him. Yeah, they're all in. Like, yeah. They have to win next year. And it's I, – I wrote about this last week. It's You look at the situation. I mean, we talked about how they, Ryan Day was on the hot seat after losing to, Ohio, to Michigan last year. But then they still came within basically a field goal of probably winning a national title. Because I think if Ohio State gets past Georgia, considering what Georgia did to TCU – there's a good reason to think they would have beaten TCU the following week, but didn't happen. So hot seat coming into the year, you lose to Michigan again. And then not only do you lose to Michigan, you have to go watch them win a national title. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe it's uh it's, it's better for them long-term because as we've seen with the work they've done in the portal, they clearly, you know, somebody got a fire lit up under their ass to go donate some money to help get some players to bring into this roster, to give them a better chance of, competing and beating Michigan next year and winning a national title. But I think the moves they've made are outstanding. I think Caleb Downs is a great player. And I think you throw him onto that defense, which was already very good and getting a whole lot of key players back already. And it's going to be, I mean, right now, early running for best defense in the country next season. I think Ohio State has to be your favorite for that spot. Although I think Georgia will give him a rush. And I think Michigan's defense will still be pretty good. But on the other side, what's different? Ohio State's defense was really good this year. Offensively, they weren't as explosive as they wanted to be. They didn't, you know, like we've talked about this a billion times already, but Kyle McCord caught a lot of heat. I don't think Kyle McCord was the biggest problem with that offense. I think the offensive line was the biggest problem with that offense. Is the offensive line any better? They bring in the center from Alabama, who everybody was blaming for the loss to Michigan because he can't snap, but he's going to be fine at Ohio State. They're changing their philosophy on offense. They're clearly going to a power rushing attack instead of being like a spread it out and throw it all over the place. And maybe that'll be good in the long term. But it's just, it, there's plenty of reason to be optimistic. But at the same time, I'm not convinced that Ohio State is suddenly going to be great, even if they are a quote unquote super team. They're a super team on defense. Offensively, you can't be a super team with an offensive line that's played as poorly as they have. They've got skill position players, but they had those guys the last few years and it didn't really seem to matter too much. So, I understand the excitement. I'm still in a wait-and-see approach for how it turns out. And then the Bill O'Brien hire, little odd, I think. <laughs> like, Alabama fans are, you know, you can ask them how they felt about <coughs> Bill O'Brien, who had the number one pick at QB. He had Jameer Gibbs at running back. I don't know if you watched him yesterday in the playoffs for the pocket, <laughs> completely destroying dudes. Had a lot of talent on those teams, but they didn't really seem to, you know, overcome – better teams so i don't know 
Nick Saban didn't seem really like a huge fan of Bill O'Brien, but I also think that part of that, the, uh, the idea of hiring Bill O'Brien might be related to the fact that, are you really going to be the play caller? I'm just going to float this out. Last year, we talked about a program, spent a lot of money to get players in. Head coach was the primary play caller, received a lot of heat for his play calling. Job was open. He's going to bring in a new play caller, new OC, brings him in. We're finally going to get over the hump. We're finally going to beat the boogeyman. We're finally going to beat Alabama. That school was Texas A&M. Does that sound anything like exactly what's happening at Ohio State right now? They're spending a bunch of money bringing in players. The head coach who hasn't been able to get over the Michigan hump is bringing in a new play caller. The candidate pool is a little different because nobody's really all that sure how much of an autonomy they're going to have running the offense. I don't know. It's just the players they've gotten are great. I think Ohio State will be the favorite in the Big Ten. I think they should be the favorite in the Big Ten next year. But I'm just not convinced it's going to fix everything. No, 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 no. You are making way too much sense for January 22nd. I want hype. I want storylines. I don't want to hear about is the offensive line fixed. I just want to see all those yards and all of those touchdowns collected together because Quinchon Judkins, but Travion Henderson is back as well. Emeka Buka. Like you, you really are dealing with a super team status. Now, last year, they only lost one regular season game. And we are adding in all these pieces. And will it be enough to make it so that they win that last game? The one that matters more than anything? If the offensive line is fixed, maybe not. Oh, and by the way, your Texas A&M. They also hired Texas A&M's AD. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M North is in Columbus, where they are spending bukus of money, assembling talent, and just hoping it works out. Because throwing money at the problem always has worked throughout the history of time and especially with college football. Now, I want to be clear. I think this is awesome. I think this is fun. And I think Mm -hmm. in the context of Michigan winning a national championship, the idea that Ohio State, the program that has been in the last, since Michigan last won a national championship, Ohio State has been more successful consistently. And so, fair? Yeah, okay. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, good. Um, And so to see that Buckeyes program and that fan base be so insulted at the idea that you've been jumped, that you just rally your resources and your support like this, I do not necessarily believe all of the big air quotes reporting that went into that website that Lane Kiffin shared on Twitter (laughs) as Lane Kiffin jumped on Twitter to share a link to a unconfirmed report that said Ohio State, um, has spent $13 million. But the Dodd father, Dennis Dodd, conveniently jumped in to say, hmm, that's actually the exact number that Ryan Day used when they asked him to estimate how much yeah. money they needed to pull together in order to ret- retain and attract talent. That was two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> we got inflation. There's no way. I think it's way more than $13 million, right? I mean, that was two years ago. Has anybody tried to buy groceries recently? This is way more. This is way pricier than buying groceries. This is what costs I, more milk or Caleb Downs. Yeah, that's right. Do you think I'd I'd love to know? Because I mean, the Caleb Downs to Georgia did make so much sense. So much. Right? Yes. How much more of an offer do you think it was? Because I mean, it has to be about the money, right? I mean, it's you can win, you can you can be successful anywhere. Is it? Is it one and a half times? Is it double the offer? Like, what's the number that's too good for him to refuse that Georgia walks away from and says, ah, eh. because granted, Georgia, 
I think they showed some restraint with Bear Alexander. They were like, oh, okay, you go take the bag. You got to get it. Go get yours. I think they probably, I think they're smart. I think they have resources where they could match any offer, but I'd love to know how much more it took for Caleb Downs to go to Ohio State. I don't I don't think it t- took that much more. I, I think if you're Caleb Downs, you look at Georgia, like you're probably going to start there, but there's not, you know, you have a lot of depth there. I think at Ohio State, you know that you're the unquestioned starter in that defense. Whereas you look at Georgia, like even without Caleb Downs, they still got two pretty good safeties. So it's it's a weird situation. I don't know how much Georgia, I think we certainly connected Georgia to it right away for obvious reasons. I don't know how much interest Georgia really had. It might have been Ohio State that was just making the actual significant offer. And Georgia was probably like, well, if you want to come, we can get you. But, you know, it's not going to be at full rate. So from that perspective, yeah. But I don't think Ohio State had to overbid. I just think Ohio State was probably the best situation to them. And they had a nice bid. Also, I want to say to the chat who are not taking the Texas A&M comp kindly, Ohio State's in a much better situation than Texas A&M. I'm not comparing where you are as programs. I'm comparing the situation with the head coach and your fact that you're kind of loading up and going for it because you feel the pressure, which is exactly why Jimbo did it last offseason. Um, by the way, the uh, the four schools that Caleb Downs visited uh, prior to his commitment to Alabama, Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. This falls into the same category as Caden Proctor because mm-hmm. – when we when these players, especially these superstars, hit the portal, I mean, all you got to do is just reopen the text message from right before the recruiting happened. So Iowa was able to reach out and say, "Hey, let's let's start talking again." And Caden Proctor was there. Um, Ohio State was in on Caleb Downs, got Caleb Downs on campus prior to his commitment. So, hey, just reopen it up. Let's get those lines of communication open. It's not as though Ohio State is only in it because of the money. They clearly have been in on Caleb Downs, like they are on almost every significant prospect Mm -hmm. as one of the best recruiting programs in college football. So, Tom... With Caden Proctor, he was at uh, he was at the Iowa basketball game. You know, he was uh, he's 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 very happy. He seems very happy to be all in for the Hawkeyes. What, Danny? I'm just saying he was he's a little chatty Kathy over there in Iowa when he's talking about the process, which has a lot of Bama fans upset and deservedly so. I think he was because he said, you know, hey, when I was you know early in this season, I was struggling somewhat. Some I you know Iowa people reached out to me and just checked in on me. That meant a lot to me. And Bama fans took it and ran with it as tampering, which yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, and they should. I think this happens all over the place. And this is the difference where, you know, in the 90s, you turn down a school, they'd be like, screw you, like curse you out because you didn't choose their school. Now it's stay in touch. We'll see you. And then there's always that you want to keep all your doors open. So there is zero surprise that, you know, anybody from Iowa would have kept a positive relationship with Caden Proctor in case something just like this happened. Yeah, I mean, this is what you this is the reality of the situation. This is why it used to be you'd recruit a kid he would go to the other school and then the coaches at the, the other school would be like, well, F him. We're done. Whatever. Screw that kid. Go to hell. Now it's all right. Hey, that's a great choice. We were very happy for you. We're very proud because you know, in the transfer portal, there's always a chance to get him to come back. So you, you know, you don't burn bridges with recruits. And the fact that the kid is from Iowa has friends on the Iowa football team and knows the coaching staff pretty well. Of course, it's like, like, it's not like once you commit to a program, you're not allowed to talk to your friends and family anymore, guys. It's, it happens. <clears throat> As for the football aspect, uh, 
I mean, it's huge for Iowa because I mean, that offense needs everything it can get. But like the fact of the matter is we've spent a lot of time making fun of the Brian Ferentz situation and just making fun of Iowa's offense in general. But you'll notice in the last few years, like one of the things that Iowa has always done well is develop guys. And they're still developing them really well on the defensive side of the ball. Like they've, they, Lucas Van Ness was an early first round pick last year. You know, they're still sending guys to the NFL quickly. You haven't seen as many Iowa offensive linemen going early. Like Linderbaum was probably the last one off the top of my head who's an all pro center. But at tackle, I think Wurfs, they had that run there with Wurfs and a couple guys who I can't remember right now. But Scherf? was it Scherf? Yeah, Scherf, Wurfs. They had like a run where it's like every year there was an Iowa tackle going in the first or second round. Haven't really had that as much. And I think getting Proctor back is good because like the way that they do play and the way that they're going to continue to play even without Brian Ferentz. Like it's not like Kurt Ferentz is going to go run in the spread and throw out five receiver sets and all that stuff. They're going to be the same team. And the way that they play, they are reliant on having a good offensive line. So getting Proctor to come back and play and be on that offensive line elevates the entire unit. So it is huge for them. And it's going to be like, you know, now we just wonder who the hell is actually going to be calling the plays because it is January 22nd and Iowa still does not have an offensive coordinator. It It's just going to be Brian. It might be. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it can't be. It will not Guys, be. I, I mean, we, we had it listed, you know. We, we put it up on the website. We followed all of our state. You know, as a state school, we've got to hit all of our benchmarks for this state uh, employment process and – we just think that Brian's going to be the best, the best candidate for the job. I mean, let's come, come on down. Who, who says no? Who says no? Um, I, cause we, I had Hassel. I was talking to Hassel this morning about this. Chris uh, Hassel, our Iowa expert, all things Iowa. Uh, when do you start to panic? You that know, they don't have an offensive coordinator. Uh, yeah, and he was like, "Well, they already are in Iowa." You know, like, and I would expect them to be too. I mean, I. Paul Chris turned him down. I thought it was a good fit. You know, I thought it could have worked, but I get why Paul Chris may not want to go there. Um, I, I think in another couple weeks, like you're starting to get a little bit panicky. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and I think okay. maybe you're going to have to go with somebody off the radar. That's a little bit, but like how, who fits that? Who, what younger off the radar coordinator is going to going to want to go like play with, you know, somebody over you saying, ah, oh, we don't want like, let's tone it down a little bit. Let's run it. Like, let's, you know, slow it down. Let's not get too wild and crazy because, it like, to your point, that's not what Kirk Ferentz is looking for. He's kind of looking for another Brian Ferentz philosophy, somebody who's going to play complementary football. That's what he's looking for. Good defense, run game, like complementary football is what Kirk Ferentz is looking for. Tommy the, Reese is available. Doesn't make sense. He is available. He doesn't make sense as a fit for what Iowa wants to do. He throws the ball a lot. So um, I, I don't have. The, well, I, I wasn't planning on going into Iowa's offensive staff, but you know what? I'm very happy we're here. Um, is there anybody on that staff that they could promote internally? Because that's the other thing. Is the longer this goes, that it's like I don't know. We're just going to promote somebody, and now a GA is going to be an on-field coach. Probably. I, I mean, I'm guessing at this point that's the direction we're heading. It's going right. to be an internal promotion, but I don't know. It's it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, you probably should be panicking if you don't have an OC in place by the time spring practice starts here soon. But at the same time, if you're Iowa, do you, <laughs> All right, so Cade you, you need an OC? 25. What if Cade is the quarterback and coordinator? 
<laughs> yes. We haven't had a player coach in a while. I, mean, I know. I think Cade I wish you hired Luke Hansi. Okay. Cade McNamara, quarterback coach. Uh, Kirk, I know Kirk Ferentz is a big fan of the podcast. So, Kirk, that's that's our recommendation from the Cover 3 Search Committee um, is, is that you just let Cade McNamara, with all of his wisdom and experience, I mean, you're talking about a Big Ten champion right there in Cade McNamara. That's right. Let him be. Uh, let him be the coordinator and the quarterback out there for the Hawkeyes in 2024. What if, what if you just tried something a little different? Just a little different. Maybe go outside the family. Just a little. You don't have to go air raid, but just maybe bring in somebody who has the ability to play complimentary football, but actually complement the run game with a passing game. What if? Maybe don't. maybe throw the ball on first down once in a while. But I don't you think not only philosophy, but also talent at wide receiver could be keeping from people from taking that job. I mean, Bud's always been all over that. Mm-hmm. Like, look at the lack of production. It's hard to recruit that position. So I think that's an issue, too. But yeah, it is not the most desirable job out there, even though the money is going to be very good. If you're if you're going to take an OC job and your hope is that you can use it to springboard yourself somewhere else. I don't think the Iowa offensive coordinator job is the one you're looking at saying that's the one where I could make my mark. Yeah, Bud's got that really cruel joke where he asks you to pick out your favorite reception from a wide receiver because there's only like 12 of them when we get like eight games into the season. You know what? Listen, Michigan didn't throw to its receivers that often either. Like you could, Iowa has made a living for decades throwing to its tight ends. A lot of NFL teams still make a living throwing to their tight ends and having complimentary receivers. Find somebody who can do that. There are plenty of them out there. Mm. Coming up on the other side, uh, we will stay in the portal buzz as we acknowledge, look, Alabama's not just losing everybody. They're also beefing up that roster too. Kalen DeBoer has a big part to do with that. And from the coaching carousel, a little bit more on Bill O'Brien. Ken Niamatololo shows up at San Jose State. And I think the carousel for now might be calming. We'll get into all that and more. Nukes. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. That's so good. 
It's weird seeing Danny in a commercial while we're doing a show. If I'm so jealous that I wasn't there for that photo shoot. I wasn't. <laughs> no, I'll be in. I'll be in Vegas. I'm mad I didn't get the photo shoot treatment where they look like they got the glamour shots going. Joe Musso and Tommy Tran. The, jealous. Joe, Joe and Tommy were made for that photo shoot. <laughs> yes, they were. <laughs> that's uh, honestly. I I don't know which I don't know which decision maker decided those are the two we're sending. That's that's one Connecticut. One Joey Florida, was just already right? there. So. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic stuff. I am very fired up. Danny, of course, as he just mentioned, will be a part of the CBS Sports HQ coverage from Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. I'll be excited to be dialed into it. So we talk a lot about uh, some of the the portal action. You know, Caleb Downs, Julian saying Caden Proctor leaving Alabama, but Alabama is also getting some arrivals as well. So let's jump on into the portal. So um, we have Austin Mack, the six foot six former four star prospect, uh, is going to be joining Kalen DeBoer. He was at Washington. Now he's transferring to Alabama. Uh, he joins a group that also includes Jeremy Bernard and Parker Brailsford. We still have Jalen Milrow. At least he has indicated. You know, he mm-hmm. hasn't put in his name in the transfer portal according to reports, and you know he he has given us the signs that he wants to stick around as well. Um, Tom, what do you think about what Kalen DeBoer is able to do with Mac and also just sort of restocking some of the pieces as that depth chart does have some holes from where it finished at the end of this year? Well, I mean, I think overall, if you're Alabama first, you're happy to get these guys because you've lost so much. But overall, if you look at the talent that is left compared to what's coming in, I don't really think you can compare because we've talked about earlier in the show, Caleb Downs, a five-star player, might be the best safety in the country already. He left. We talked about Caden Proctor, a five-star left tackle who, was one of the top players in the class last year, started 15 games or 14 games as a freshman in the SEC. He left. Now you're getting in Mac, who was a backup QB in Washington, Bernard, who was like the fourth or fifth receiver, and Brailsford, who was a starting center. So it's hard to say you've upgraded. But the good news is you have upgraded at center mm-hmm. because like this was the Washington offensive line did win the Joe Moore Award. And while I thought Michael Penix had a lot to do with that, the three players on that line who I thought were plus value were the two tackles and the center. And now you have that center and you're going to have him for a while. I think he's a very good player. So that's an upgrade. Bernard, I think is talented. He knows the offense. He comes in, he'll be useful. And I think Mac is, I mean, from, I've never seen the kid play, but from the people I've talked to, there are optimistic reasons to think this kid can be, you know, he's got the size, he's got the arm. He's a very much a prototypical quarterback prospect, but he's probably not somebody who you expect to come in and start right away. Mm-hmm. But I've been told he could compete for the job. Like, it's not as if, like, I, I know we had the whole Jalen Milrow renaissance last year and it was the great story, but you also saw the limitations again when it came to the playoff game. With the way Kalen DeBoer has typically run his offense at Washington, like Michael Penix was mobile, but Michael Penix also had an incredible arm and was just, you know, a very good passer. Jalen Milrow is not the passer that Michael Penix was. And if DeBoer wants to run more of the same kind of offense he ran at Washington in right away, then you could see Mac compete and push for that starting gig, or you could see Milrow take a step forward once he gets, you know, developed in that kind of system. So it'll be interesting. The quarterback situation in Tuscaloosa is a lot more worth paying attention to now that Mac is in town. Oh, I, this is, I think this is great. Great news. Um, 
somebody has to take a massive step forward. And I mean, you would think it would be Jalen Milrow, but if they want to compete again for SEC championships, he has to take a massive step forward. I thought this, even if Saban had stayed, like he needed to take a step forward as a passer, a quarterback who goes through the reads. We knew he was a dynamic runner. And I, so the thing that made Michael Penix impressive, yes, it was his release. He's got a cannon for an arm, but it was also his knowledge of the system. Like that's how you, like, only allowing 12 sacks in the regular season, that's a testament to an offensive line, but it's also a testament to the quarterback. And if you watch the Rose Bowl, there were some sacks that were on Milrow. It was like the exact opposite, like times when he should have gotten rid of it, when he should have gone certain places, when he could have, who knows, even the checks that he's given at the line of scrimmage. It's going to be a lot on his plate. So one of the good things, I think, with Austin Mack is at least you have somebody who's familiar with that, and that might be the leg up he needs to potentially unseat Jalen Milrow as the starter. I'll give you this. I saw this on X from Brock Heward, who does a great job with Fox calling games, went to Washington. He's pretty familiar with the program. Uh, speaking about Austin Mack, he said, uh, Austin lights up a room at 6'6 plus. His presence and arm are unique. I can promise all you SEC scribes and Bama social sites will marvel at Mack's set of physical traits. Cam Newton light with a better delivery. And that's pretty high praise. I mean, he's a specimen uh, when he comes out there. So, I think this quarterback race could be interesting. And I think if you're Kalen DeBoer, like what better message to send to everybody than, hey, every position is open. Like we're going to compete for everything. We want the best of the best. So I think this is great news because I think this is – I thought it was going to be really hard to get somebody to come compete with Jalen Milrow to try to unseat a starter. And I think this is the perfect guy to do it. I don't know if I could trust Brock's opinion. He (laughs) he works with that traitor Jason Benetti, so I don't know. (laughs) That's right, Chicago beef. Yeah, exactly. Hot right here. Um, And then, uh, is there any aspect of this that, like, I think this is like clearly Kalen DeBoer can hand select his best players from Washington, offer them to come, but it also comes with a caveat because if they struggle, this is going to be attached to him as well. Like these are some Mm -hmm. of his first moves. So, like, if you see Brailsford struggle. And be oh, this is Washington. He couldn't can't compete in the SEC. Like you can just you can hear where that's going. Same thing with a receiver can't handle the speed. This is a Washington player, even though you know it's just they're going to be attached to him. All three of them, they're his guys that he brought with him. So they, I hope for his sake they produce because that'll just add to a very complicated mix that he's going to try to you know has to fill those shoes in Nick Saban. Yeah, one of the things we talked about a lot with Penix, which is going to be very difficult to replicate, uh, Mac for his inexperience. He's a very young player, even for mm-hmm. you know the cycle that he's in. Uh, or with Jalen Milrow, who's going to be taking on a new system entirely from the one that was being run under Tommy Reese. And it, it is the why. That's what we said. Michael Penix always knew the why. You know, we there are always the different formations, but he knew why you were trying to get the mismatches. He could look at the defense, see the way that they were reacting to some of the motions and the shifts, and know exactly what the next step was going to be. An incredibly important, I mean, this seems obvious, but just an incredibly important spring practice for the installation of this system with these quarterbacks because we know Kalen DeBoer, we know Ryan Grubb, we know what they can do, but that was with a very experienced quarterback and experienced wide receivers that all had a nice, you know, if you only watched that team against Texas, you missed the full run-up that happened across the entire two seasons. And the end product that was that incredible performance against the Longhorns defensive against the Longhorns, um, that was 
a lot of important work that had happened in terms of installing it and getting everybody on the same page so that they can uh, run it so flawlessly. It, it's one of those things that we don't talk about enough, I think. And it, it's for good reason, because you just don't typically see it that often because the COVID year kind of really changed things. But what? Michael Penix is the same age as Lamar Jackson, who <laughs> will be playing the AFC championship next right. week. And it's like Penix is talented. I'm not taking that away, but there's a part that like with him and Nick's, when guys have been in college this long and have that many reps, that's how they improve. So like when you're Michael Penix and you're 25 and you're playing against college defenses, there is nothing they're doing that you haven't seen a thousand times already. So it becomes like playing, you know, just like a video game when you figure it out. Very, very um, interesting stuff. Uh, speaking of the quarterbacks, how about Arizona? So they hire Brent Brennan from San Jose State, but the biggest uh, the biggest thing they were able to secure is Noah Fafita, the uh, star quarterback, and Tedaroa McMillan, his high school teammate, the star wide receiver. They announced they are sticking with Arizona. Uh, we've been looking at the Wildcats and their arrival in the Big 12. Um, Danny, what do you make of uh, Brennan being able to hold on to his two most important offensive offensive players? Uh, I think this is huge. I also think this might have been predetermined. I mean, Noah Fafita was on his podcast that he does, and he, like, early, I think it was in 24 hours, 48 hours of Jetfish leaving that he said, hey, I'm not built to take the easy way out. Like, I, maybe it was something that was ingrained in him to stay. Um, but it's just huge for Brent Brennan. I mean, this is a player who really impressed um, – you know, throughout the season, unseating Jaden Delora, like took over that job, never looked back, and he's able to get one of his guys to come back with him. Uh, this is huge. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, the the fear was, and we talked about it when Fish left. If you're Arizona, my God, is he going to gut the entire roster? And he has taken a few players with him, mm -hmm. but the fact that you're keeping Fafita and McMillan, who are the two most important players on your offense last year, I think is huge. You're losing Jonah Coleman; he's going to Washington, but. I think that if you're the Wildcats, I mean, it's they're not going to be a top 10 team in the preseason polls next year, I don't think, but they're going to be ranked and they're going to be looked at as one of the teams that can compete to win the Big 12. Like they're going to be there with Utah. They're going to be there with Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Kansas. So it's huge to get them back. And they're very good players. Like McMillan is a guy who I don't think gets an, we've talked about Fafita plenty, but McMillan is a very good receiver. Like he's got first round potential when he comes out and goes to the NFL. And he just kind of got lost in the shuffle of all the other big names. He wasn't the highly rated recruit coming out of high school. He wasn't like a five-star top, you know, 20 player, but he's, he does a lot of the things that you want in an NFL type of receiver. Like he's a good route runner. He's good, good body control, good hands, a whole lot of good stuff pretty much. And the connection he has with Fafita because they've been playing together for what, five years now since high school it means a lot. I think it's going to be good for Brennan. It's going to be good for Arizona. I Just to hit up, uh, John hit us up in the chat with Fafita staying. Is Arizona going to compete with Utah for the Big, tw uh, Big 12? I say yes. The Big 12 is going to be really wide open uh, next year with you know the exodus of Oklahoma, Texas, leaving all these new teams coming in. It's going to be a fun conference to watch. I do wonder you know, what the final, you know, the Big 12 champion, how many losses they have, because I don't know if there's a team that's going to run through it. But yeah, I think Arizona will for sure. Tedaroa McMillan um, had 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns on 90 receptions. That is only two less receptions, 238 less yards and three less touchdowns 
than Roma Dunze. Adunze played two more games than McMillan. So on a per-game basis, uh, we're talking about a player in Tedaroa McMillan who was as productive as Roma Dunze, who we widely agree is was one of the best wide receivers in all of college football this year. And as Tom mentioned, he would rather draft Roma Dunze over Marvin Harrison Jr. That's true. By the way, I was wrong, actually. McMillan was a top 40 player in this class. So thanks for that correction. I just looked up. All right. I didn't realize he was that highly rated. I knew he was a four-star. I didn't think he was that high. I've read, pe- people got scared. They weren't sure how to say Tedaroa. You know, I'm right there. T Mac, he's a baller. Yeah, I tell you, McMillan's doing great out there. <laughs> you know what it is? He went to Arizona. He wasn't yeah. hyped up by the the Bud Elliott SEC hype machine. You know how that goes. Yeah, yeah, you know how it goes with the recruiting beat. If you're not in the yeah. SEC and you're not Ohio State or Notre Dame, nobody nobody <laughs> pays attention to you. Come if on. If he'd have been, if he committed to Alabama, they would have given him a fifth star. That's just how it goes. That's what Bud does. That's his job. That is literally Bud's job. If you commit to the SEC, he has to go in to the database and add a star to your rating. Hey, on a real note, um, I am interested. One of the things that I'm interested about Austin Mack, and this pops up in every recruiting cycle, he is one of the players from hit that cycle that our friends at 24 seven sports were higher on than the composite. Mm-hmm. Like whenever, and, and I picked that up from Barton be like, yeah, like sometimes we got to stand on the table and when we're right, we're really happy about it. You know, we beat our chest too. We try to, we try to make sure that we're not just going to bend to whatever the consensus is. Uh, that is a player who, according to in Austin Mack, who, according to the composite, outside of the top 200, the you know 16th best quarterback in the class at 24/7 Sports, number 73 overall prospect, eighth best quarterback in the class. So uh, 24/7 is a little bit higher on Mack, and so I'm very interested to see how that plays out as he gets an opportunity with Kalen DeBoer at Alabama. Coming up on the other side, the coaching carousel in terms of the head coaches. Calm for now. Keep an eye on you. But the assistant coaching carousel in full swing. We'll get into all that and Florida's NCAA issues next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It is January 22nd, which means we are in the final week to vote for the Sports Podcast Awards because we here at the Cover 3 Podcast are a finalist for the Best American Football Podcast category in the Sports Podcast Award. We have been a finalist before, but we have not finished number one, but you can help us do that. So there's a QR code on the screen. 
there is a link in the episode description, both on YouTube and on the audio side. Hit that QR code, visit that link. The whole process takes just 30 seconds. Again, vote for the Cover 3 podcast in the Best American Football Podcast category, Sports Podcast Awards. You know, we're on their radar, but, but we don't want to just be, you know, we don't want to be like Better Call Saul, always nominated, never winning. No, 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 no. We're going to do this. We're bringing it home this year. Voting runs through January 28th. We thank you in advance for your support. If we don't win and you guys don't vote enough for us, we're not going to do another show until September. So you better get out there and vote. We're going to take the whole off season off. <laughs> don't, don't, don't tempt Danny. Danny. <laughs> really? Sounds like a great deal. Let's go. Fantastic. Take that bet. <laughs> All right. Um, we, the, the coaching care, we got a couple of hires to, to knock out as well as maybe a little bit more on that Bill O'Brien hire. So let's take a spin on the coaching carousel. So we mentioned it a little bit earlier. I I think that there are lots of different ways to read the Bill O'Brien hire. Um, number one, Ryan Day is adding a voice with a presence. Like when it's Brian, when it's Ryan Day and it's Brian Hartline, that that's still Ryan Day's offense, right? No matter what you say, no matter what tags you're putting on it. But you bring in Bill O'Brien and you are bringing in a, a former head coach at Penn State and for the Houston Texans, somebody who's been an offensive coordinator for uh, a Heisman Trophy winner in Bryce Young and at Alabama and worked for Nick Saban. The experience that he brings is valuable. So, Tom, how should Ohio State fans be fired up about the hire of Bill O'Brien? Uh, no, I mean, not that not, you shouldn't be upset about it, but I don't know if you'd be fired up about it. Like it's an offensive coordinator. It's, it, it's not going to be the play calling that determines how good Ohio state season is next year. It's just the players going to have to play well. But I do think like, if you're, I mentioned earlier in the show, Alabama fans were very happy to see Bill O'Brien leave. I don't know how fair that was considering Alabama scored like 40 points per game while he was there, but it's just, it's. It's one of those things like Bill O'Brien is not a bad offensive coordinator. He's had success at both levels doing so. He had success as the head coach at Penn State when they were in a terrible situation when he had Christian Hackenberg, and Hackenberg was a good player for them. He's probably, you know, he, he did not progress the way they wanted to, but he was a solid starter. He's one of the better starters they've had for a while. So I, I think when you look at it, yeah, it's, he's a competent OC. He's going to come in, and as you kind of talked about there, Chip, he's got ideas. He knows what works. He's going to be somebody for Ryan Day. Him, they, The two of them can get together and maybe come up with some stuff. And I also think that for Ryan Day, one of the complaints Ohio State fans have had about him for years is you know how he abandons the run game, and the run game that Ohio State has has not been as effective as it should be considering that the talent they've had there and also the fact that with the receivers they had, it's not like defenses can key against the run. But again, I think that comes back to the offensive line. But at the same time, if you talk to Alabama fans, they weren't very fond of the run game with Bill O'Brien in Tuscaloosa. And, you know, like they didn't like the way he used Jameer Gibbs and the players he had. So I don't know. I don't think this fixes anything. I don't think it hurts anything. I think it just it's another experienced coach on the staff, like you said, who's a voice in the room, can figure things out. And also 
Like, I, you know, they're they're completely changing their offensive identity. This is part of it. Will it work? I don't know. Yeah, you met. Um, you compared them to Texas A&M somewhat. You know, saying it feels similar. I mean, it also kind of feels similar to what you know Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma and USC, um, an offensive-minded coach who's and he's had more success, especially. But I mean. Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma was getting to the playoffs almost every year and couldn't get over the hump. You know, like Ryan Day is right there, just can't get past Michigan. Offensive-minded coach takes criticism about physicality, and it affects both sides of the ball. I mean, that's why Ryan Day went off on Lou Holtz. He thought he answered everybody's questions about physicality because they won a game that they maybe should have lost in that game. Like, he was – he was. I mean, that was a great drive. That was Kyle McCord's swan song there leading them down the field. Um but that's where I wonder if this does bring in just another mentality that I do think is necessary. Um, I think he's been great with quarterbacks that he's developed, which is a good sign. Like he was great with Christian Hackenberg when he took over that Penn State gig. Thought it was interesting too that Julian Sand, who is now there, he recruited and one of, was one of the big reasons why Sand was going to Alabama. Great. Call. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that, that of course helps to get another player, another voice in the room. I think this quarterback competition is going to be pretty fascinating to watch because I like Will Howard. I think he's an upgrade over Kyle McCord, but they've got two five stars in there and Aaron Nolan and from the same class. And they also have Devin Brown. Like I totally forgot about him. I was interviewing Bill Rabinowitz from the, the Columbus dispatch this morning on the radio show. And I was like, and I totally forgot about Devin Brown. And he's like, Oh yeah, by the way, he's in the mix too. So the way he handles this quarterback room, the way he you know decides who's going to be starting, tailors it around him. Uh, and the other thing to point out, too, is the offense did. They were 14 points per game less than the year prior. Like, it's a pretty big drop-off in production. And, you know, Kyle McCord took a lot of brunt of that criticism, but I think there's, there's blame to go all around. So I, I give Ryan Day credit for kind of self-scouting and saying, all right, here you go. Let's try something new. Let me focus on being the figurehead. Maybe, it, maybe part of that is is establishing a culture that's more physical. I like uh, this comment from Buckeye01. He says, he's our new Kevin Wilson, someone who has the pull to tell Ryan Day to run the ball when Day wants to pass. Right. It's a useful thing to have. I think uh, I wouldn't – I don't know how much of an impact Devin Brown's going to have in any quarterback play for – I mean, it's not another who, thing about – is, is Howard the quarterback? And then you've just got – Yeah, Nolan I think so. Saying, and so – if you're Devin Brown, you're out after spring practice. I think That's probably. I mean, he almost Devin- got benched by by Avery Johnson. Like that, Kansas State was ready to move on from him after four or five games. They played them both. He played his way out of it. Like I like his skill set. I was very high on him coming off to the Big Twelve Championship year when he split reps with Adrian Martinez. Like as the passer, he's there. I think he's really athletic. I think he does a lot in the run game that people probably don't give him credit for, but. I think it'll be an interesting competition. Like I would say day one starter, who's it going to be? I would say Will Howard, but who finishes the season? That might be another question. Yeah, my, my thing with Will Howard, and this is maybe an area Bill O'Brien can help him with, but like the vertical passing to me just isn't there, especially when you look at the context of what the Ohio State offense has been the last few years. There's a whole lot of verticality to that passing game. But back to Devin Brown, like availability is a huge thing and Devin Brown just hasn't shown the ability to stay healthy. So I just, I think that saying coming in is just kind of like the final, when you look at the other, the Nolan, the Kynels, those guys on that depth chart, I think Devin Brown's days in Columbus are probably limited. 
Yeah, Lincoln Kineholtz too. Do they have do they have a starting basketball team of scholarship quarterbacks who are blue chip prospects? They do. Yeah. Don't forget, they have thirteen million. I mean, that's and it's probably way more. This is nothing new. I mean, they went from Justin Fields to CJ Stroud. They had Joe Burrow. They had Quinn Ewers. It's not like this at Ohio State QB room has ever had a Darth of talent in it. So yeah, that's true. Um, they the the players there because we don't have a head coaching change, can't leave until the spring window. So they will all be in spring practice, at least if they are enrolled. I don't know about the newbies and where they are in terms of whether they're going to be on campus in time for spring practice. But I, guess- I can't even figure out the calendar because Sam was in Tuscaloosa, right? Like, did he attend mm-hmm. any class? Like, I- he was enrolled. This is a transfer. This is not like a, a flip. This is a... Right. Like, and now the new rule, like the new NCA, like it probably doesn't even hurt him that bad, right? He's not going to lose any year, correct? Or lose a transfer because they can just go as many times they want. Ooh. So with that, that's what I'm wondering because they did have that ruling that kind of flew under the radar with basketball, where they challenged the multiple, you know, transfer one. I think the NCA threw in the towel. I think these guys are going to be able to transfer as much as they want. I there is something I don't know. I'll have to find this out if he can compete in the spring. Because there is something about the same calendar, like the school calendar. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that prohibits him from actually com- – I would be shocked if he's not out there competing in the spring. You know who should be on the roster in the spring? Because they got to replace a couple linebackers. The woman who knocked over Caitlin Clark, <laughs> that was that was a hit right there. She should be getting a shot to walk out and play linebacker. She's from a violent Tommy finisher I- with the ball from carrier. Tommy yeah. Eichenberg to the lady yeah. who knocked Caitlin Clark to uh-huh. the floor. But it wasn't that hard of a hit. I mean, it was a pretty good flop, too. Oh, oh. let's get into it. Hey, did you did y'all do that on the radio this morning? Flop or not? Caitlin Clark going down. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, we we spent an hour on it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we had Chris Assel on. Remember, they kind of <laughs> Assel's our expert in all things Iowa. <laughs> so good. All right, other uh, other headlines from the coaching carousel. Uh, we remember that former Navy head coach Ken Niamatololo uh, landed as a staffer for Chip Kelly's UCLA program. Well, now he is back to being a head coach. He takes over after Brent Brennan leaves San Jose State. Um, Tom, do you think we're running the option at San Jose State? We're not running the option at San Jose State. That okay. was included in the original report when uh, – when Thamel first reported it, what was that, on Friday or Saturday, I think is when it first started coming out. They will not be running the triple option at San Jose State, which is probably... How bummed are you? I mean, I'm pretty bummed, but I also think that San Jose State is not a program where you really need to run the option. Like, they've had success the last few years doing what they're doing. So I think Niyama Tololo is taking over as the leader, and I think he's in a he's a good person for that, considering he was the head coach at the Naval Academy there for a while. But they're going to bring in an offensive coordinator. They're going to run a similar offense. It's just this is this is a head coach hire. This is not a coach with a system hire who you come having to come in to run it because you know you need to compete and he can bring it in. This is just somebody that they want at the head of that program who also maybe they feel like isn't going to leave if you know other jobs come open. Maybe mm-hmm. Kenny Amatolo. He was at Navy for a while. He was happy there for a while. He almost took the Arizona job until Khalil Tate put the kibosh on it. But I, I think this is a long term hire. Uh, director of leadership was his title. There we go. At UCLA, uh-huh. better to lead your program than the director of leadership. He is the all-time winningest coach in Navy history. There's also um, 
his ability to recruit and I, like I've covered some San Jose State games, they do have a pretty good Polynesian presence. Like they're able to pull mm-hmm. some of the Hawaii, you know, at, and you know, just he'll be able to recruit that, which will be you know huge because those dudes, uh, you know, can contribute, uh, and that's probably a challenge to recruit to San Jose State historically. So yeah, I I mean I like the hire. I think he is a good figurehead at this point of his career type of hire. I was surprised though. I thought maybe he would want to run that system. Um, but I, there's no doubt he'll be able to hire and, and fill out a pretty strong staff. Yeah, the um, I, a lasting image after Kenny Amatololo was fired at Navy was around Christmas time, all these photos of all the active Navy players at his house yeah. right, mm-hmm. for the holidays. I mean, that that is somebody who his bond with his players and his team, I get that. That is not just like from the script of the Naval Academy. That is somebody who really does a great job of connecting with his players and being able to build out a culture that resonates in the locker room. I'm I'm excited to have people like Ken Niamatololo leading college football programs because I think the sport's better for it when we've got people like that around. He got mm-hmm. a devastated Navy did. Navy's football program got devastated by COVID. The restrictions. Remember. They weren't allowed to tap. What was that first game of the season? BYU. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they got drubbed. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, afterwards, I, we talked to him on the show and he was like, we weren't even allowed to tackle in person. Like they were trying to, it was a mess. And those restrictions carried on a lot longer at Navy than it did at a lot of programs. And then when like you're a developmental program and you lose two years of development, I think it really, really devastated uh, Navy's football program. He's a good coach. So uh, Ken Niamatololo was the director of leadership uh, at UCLA and UCLA head coach Chip Kelly popped up in the news cycle over the weekend. Our friend Jonathan Jones, NFL insider for CBS Sports, reported, says multiple sources tell CBS Sports that UCLA head coach Chip Kelly has been mentioned as a possible offensive coordinator by multiple head coaching candidates this cycle and multiple teams have started due diligence on the former Eagles and 49ers head coach for their potential offensive coordinator vacancy. So, ah, uh, why? Bro, if you're Chip, why? Why if you're Chip? Oh, it makes a ton of sense if you're Chip. What is Because you're going to get fired? No, not even that. Because we all know Chip, Chip loves recruiting. Chip loves glad handing with the boosters. That's what Chip loves more than anything. Big 10 program. Why would Chip want to go and just call plays somewhere and not have to deal with any of that other stuff? That doesn't seem like Chip Kelly at all. What's his pay cut going to be? 75% reduction? Like, serious, I thought it would be cut in half. It's probably worse. He's going to play for 25% of what he's making now to just. So here's the thing I think about Chip Kelly. If he could just hold on. Because I do think it's becoming more transactional. I think in a few years, who knows when it's going to come, it's going to be all transactional where you don't have to ask for NIL. You don't have to worry about building relationships with high schoolers and kissing their butt and showing up in a helicopter, which is right in Chip Kelly's wheelhouse. If he could just hold on till then, the problem is with the uncertainty, I think this has to do more with maybe an exit strategy for him. There was already rumblings that he was going to be out. Mm-hmm. So he is set to make six point one million dollars in the twenty twenty four season. Yeah, I mean, make yeah. them buy you out. Don't don't yeah. don't leave right no, now for an offensive coordinator job. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think that 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 would just be a very strange financial decision. So he's probably talking to coaches 
and being like, yeah, I mean, you know, after this, you know, that, that might be something to do. And then these coaches are going to interviews and they're like, and who would you have on your staff? And these coaches are like, what if I could get Chip Kelly? Huh? Right. What if I could get Chip Kelly? And a lot of these young coaches who are interviewing, that's the one thing they lack is experience. So then what better to bring on a guy with head coaching experience who's a name brand? Say, yeah, this guy can help me, you know, through this process. It makes a or lot maybe of sense. Maybe it's Harbaugh who's going to bring him as OC and Jim's Ooh. just trying to open two Big Ten jobs at once. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh, head coach, Chip Kelly, offensive coordinator. Could really be magical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure it would go great. I'm sure every What's, team meeting is is just ju- just perfect. What is your guys' latest thoughts on Harbaugh? Because there was a text thread going around on the Cover 3 pod that something was going to get done one way or another, and then we got nothing over the weekend we except Jim Harbaugh rooting on the Ravens. <laughs> like, what? Are we, are we any closer to finalizing this thing? I, I, latest, latest report is that he's got another interview this week with, with the Falcons. Falcons. A second interview with the Falcons after Belichick did a second interview with the Falcons. And Michigan's just sitting around waiting for the music to stop. Like, all right, when you're done dancing. offers on the table, right? We know their offer is strong. We know it's a really lucrative offer that's going to have some protection Mm -hmm. in it for any discipline. So now it's just up to Harbaugh. The ball's in his court. Yep, that's my understanding. And I, I, I maintain, I feel like the longer he hasn't left Michigan, the more likely he is to stay at Michigan. But as long as the Chargers job is open and they haven't hired a GM yet, I'm not saying he's not going. Until that happens, I'm, there's always a chance. Where are you at with it, Danny? I, I've been torn on this one the whole time. I maintained the same stance, though. Nothing will surprise me. Like, I honestly don't, I don't even, maybe Harbaugh doesn't know. Maybe he has to have that second meeting with the Falcons, you know? I don't know. I don't know if there's like, I don't, I don't think it's ultimately about money. That's, there's a lot of money either way he decides. I think a lot of it's about situation. That's why I'd be surprised if he walked away from a Justin Herbert, that t- caliber of a quarterback, and their defense is pretty good. Like, uh, that, that's the one team, though, the Chargers don't like to pay as an organization. So I do wonder if they're not, matching or close where he's like, eh, I don't know if I want to take a pay cut to go there and maybe get fired in three or four years. So I don't, maybe that's into it because I do think um, Arthur blank will match okay. any offer yeah. and we'll be <laughs> like, here, we'll pay you whatever. Yeah. I mean, let, who's Arthur blank interviewing for the most part, Belichick and Harbaugh. He doesn't seem yeah. to be too scared to pay up for a coach right now. No. Yeah, if you're and if you're one of these uh like NFL jobs that's like we just hired we just interviewed the Texans OC the Falcons are like we've got Belichick and Harbaugh come on exactly <laughs> what kind of game are you playing uh yep we'll see um and all right let's, let's before before we get out of here just real quick Buffalo uh, hires Pete Limbo he was Makes an assi- sense. he was an assistant head coach but buddy. Uh, he'll always be a, a star in my heart from, uh, was it Lehigh, right? Was it Lehigh? I remember Ball State. Is where Ball, yeah, of course, Ball State. It's a it's a return to the Mac for the uh, Ball State coach, who former Ball State coach who got them, what, like one, nine or ten win season? I mean, winning mm-hmm. at Ball State is hard. Yeah, he was at Lehigh. He was at Elon. He got a 10-win season for Ball State back in 2013, nine wins in 2012, a couple second-place finishes in the MAC West. 
uh, left Ball State with a 33 and 29 record, 23 and 17 in conference play. I Buffalo's a tough job. Good hire with yeah. Pete Limbo. I mean, winning anywhere in the Met consistently is hard. <laughs> and so if, if you can do it, you've got a pretty decent, you know, capable track record as being a head coach. And he does have plenty of head coaching experience. So I feel like this is somebody who's, you know, he's been the special teams coordinator, assistant head coach at South Carolina. He clearly wants to get back in the uh, driver's seat. I think Buffalo, a good fit for him. Which kind of bucks the trend we've seen recently. So, like, if you can get a head coach who's got some experience both in the Power Five and in your conference, I think it's a good hire. All right. Hard place to win. We will be back on Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Maybe dive a little bit more into those Florida NCAA issues. And like George McIntyre committed to the Vols. I will say that I'm going to wait until Bud's back so that we can get the full recruiting uh, in-depth like player analysis. Because otherwise, you're a just star. Gonna, They're in the SEC. There you, you go. Just, otherwise, you're just going to get three thumbs ups on the screen. Like, ah, sounds good. Good for Tennessee. Good for Josh Heupel. So let's find out a little bit more about McIntyre, the player. We'll wait until, uh, until Bud's back back for that and he should be on wednesday 11 a.m eastern time and you can follow him on twitter at tom fernell you can follow him at danny Cannell. follow me at chip underscore patterson gentlemen thank you very much thank you see ya Streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.